First John chapter two. I'll pray and then we can jump into it together. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here with Mikhail for family. God, thank you for these brothers and sisters. God, thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. God, thank you for your great love for us that we sang about tonight, God. And the great lengths you went through to demonstrate that love for us by sending your son, Jesus. God, thank you for your patience with us, God. Thank you for never failing us, never quitting on us, never giving up on us, God. God, we love you. God, we love you. We pray that you would be honored, that you'd be glorified here tonight. Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? God, till up our hearts that they be good, soiled, to receive your word, that your word would take root and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us, God. God, would you shape and mold us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. Holy Spirit, would you help me to communicate, help me to speak only what you want spoken. Uh, God, have your will, have your way. God, have your will and not mine. Do what you please, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you guys ever did any babysitting? Maybe babysitted some younger siblings, babysitted some cousins, babysitted the neighbor kids, babysitted some strangers to make some money. Okay, good. Jack knows who has their hand raised because we might need some, you know, maybe see if they're hard to come by, right? Is that going? Um, sorry, so, hey, almost everyone who raised their hand uh, had babysat at some point. I just want to make sure we have that, you know, because in case later we need a babysitter. Uh, no, I'm not going somewhere with it. Or maybe you're not a babysitter, but, but at your work you've been a supervisor or a shift manager in some kind of way overseeing people, right? Uh, you've had people that you are responsible for, that you're in charge of, that you had to give directions to. Has that been anybody at any point in life? Uh, or been the group, the leader of a group project, something like that? Yeah. Um, I want you guys to think about, put yourself in that situation, think about how it feels when you uh, give someone instructions and they obey. How's that feel? You got those little kids, you got those cute little, that cute little four or five, six year old kid that you're babysitting and you tell them what to do. Say, hey, hey, would you go, would you go pick up your toys? Because uh, I want the house to look real clean when mom and dad get home, so they'll give me a big tip, right? Uh, and they go and they pick up all the toys without any complaints and they go right to bed and don't make a peep. How's that feel when they obey? It's a miracle. It's a, it is a miracle. You know, what has happened, right? It feels good when they obey. How's it feel? When you get the little kid and they do the opposite of everything you tell them to do. You're like, oh, that sounds a lot more familiar than my experience, right? Uh, when you give them instruction and they don't obey. In fact, they disobey. They do the opposite or they rebel or they do everything they can do to, to undermine your efforts, right? Or again, you're that, you're that supervisor at work. You're that shift manager. You give, you give some, what you feel like are simple instructions to your coworkers. They don't obey. They do the opposite, right? They don't, they don't care. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel loved? Does that make you feel respected and honored? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, and, and when you're babysitting, you might have that little kid uh, that they say the right things, they're real sweet. You know, they say, they say, oh, Anna, I just love you. You're just the best babysitter in the whole world. You're just the best baby. Oh, Shay, I just love it when you babysit, when you watch us. But then, like, they just disobey you every turn, right? They do the opposite of whatever you say, right? So even though they're saying they love you, do you feel loved? Do you feel respected? No, no. Um, when there's a relationship between you and someone uh, who's in authority, the health of that relationship is always going to be tied to obedience. That's what we're talking about tonight is obedience. And we may say we love and respect a person who's in authority over us, um, a boss, a professor, a parent, 
Uh, but when we disobey them or just ignore their instructions, do you think they feel loved and respected, right? You know, we, we can say, hey, we love you, and we respect you, man, you mean the world to us. But then when we ignore their instructions and we disobey them, uh, do, do they feel loved? And we think about how we felt when we had kids do us that way. Uh, you guys have Kira Christensen, you know, she's doing the Air Force. She, she'd come back from boot camp, so she probably had some kind of commander, a drill sergeant, uh, that gave her very, very important instructions, right? And if she disobeyed those, you know, how would her relationship be with that drill sergeant, right? Yeah, the relationship's not good. So whenever we've got a relationship with someone that's in authority over us, um, the health of that relationship is going to be tied to our obedience. Now, we don't like the idea of obedience, right? In this day and age especially, we don't like the idea of obedience. Now, we don't like the idea that anybody has a say in, in what we do, right? No one can tell us what to do. We want to make our own rules. We want to make our own way. We don't like the idea uh, of submitting or obeying anyone or anything. But we still can't get around this fundamental link between love and obedience, particularly in our relationship with God. Particularly in our relationship with God. In the same way, man, it matters that uh, we're not just say we love our parents, but man, we, we obey them. In the same way, and those kids you're babysitting, it's not enough for them just to say those sickening, sweet things. Oh, I love you so much. You're just the best babysitter. And then, and then disobey you and ignore everything you have to say, right? Uh, it's the same in our relationship with God. Uh, our obedience is so important. And so that's what we're looking at tonight. What is the link between our obedience uh, and the love that we show to God? You know, we don't feel loved or respected when people disobey us. How do you think God feels about it? How do you think God feels about it? Um, so tonight we're continuing our, our new series. It's called Complete Joy that explores the New Testament letter of 1 John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' disciples, right? One of, the, one, of the, one of the apostles that walked with Jesus, ministered with Jesus, knew Jesus extremely well, possibly Jesus' best friend right here on earth. Um, we kicked it off uh, two weeks ago looking at John's introduction to the letter. He talked about, guys, I knew Jesus personally, right? Again and again, he says, I saw Jesus with my own eyes. Right, I hung out with him, I heard him, I touched him. Uh, these stories you've heard about Jesus, man, they may seem far-fetched, they may seem outrageous, but I can tell you they're true because I'm an eyewitness. I was there. Right? He says the key uh, to having complete joy uh, is you've got to have a relationship with God through Jesus. Right? He says the purpose of this letter, uh, there in 1 John, I'm writing this letter so that your joy may be complete, your joy may be full. He says the key to having that, that full life, that full joy, is having a relationship with God. You know, last week we talked about forgiveness. Uh, and, and, and the forgiveness that God extends to us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, and, you know, we're picking up here uh, tonight with 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My dear children, I'm writing to you this uh, so that you will not sin. I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but for the whole world, the sins of the whole world. You know, last week we talked about how as we grow closer to God, we should see sin decreasing in our life, right? And none of us are perfect, right? And we won't be perfect till heaven, but, but as we're pursuing Jesus, we should see sin getting less and less in our life. That's the process of sanctification. You know, we talked about that last week. And again, if you missed any of the messages from previous weeks, uh, our messages are available online. There's a Kyle from Memphis uh, podcast and, and also available there at KyleFromMemphis.com. Um, but but, but that, that's a big part of it is that, you know, as we're drawing closer to God, as we're having this relationship with God, sin should be decreasing 
uh, in our life. We should be sinning less and less as a desire grows in us to live a life in a way that pleases the Lord. You know, John says, I'm writing to you so that you will not sin, right? So that you'll not sin. That's the goal, right? That's the goal, that we would not sin. Um, uh, that's the goal. And uh, what he's saying here is freedom from sin is possible, right? I know when you're in the middle of it, man, when you're struggling with the sin, it may feel like freedom's impossible. It may feel like victory's impossible. Like, I'm never going to break free of this thing. I'm never going to be rid of this thing. Um, you know, but God's grace and the Spirit of God at work inside you, man, it is possible for you to have victory over it. You know, what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for you to experience uh, victory from whatever sin, whatever temptation that you're struggling with. Uh, victory is possible in the sin that you're wrestling with so hard today and can become a distant memory in the past, right? Jesus can break that off your life, even tonight, right? Where, where that's not a thing you struggle with. John says, I'm writing you so that you'll, you won't sin, so that you'll not sin. And victory is possible. Freedom is possible. But the good news is, even if you do sin, right? On those days where you blow it, on those days where you fail and you give it temptation, he's still faithful to forgive us and cleanse us when we repent and we confess to him. Right? We talked about that last week. Remember 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And the way he says it here, he says we have an advocate who pleads our case. An advocate who pleads our case. Do you guys know Jesus is praying for you? Right now. Right now, in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is interceding for you. Jesus is praying for you. What kind of prayers do you think Jesus is praying for you right now? Yeah, God forgive them. God help them. God strengthen them. God fill them with your grace. Fill them with your joy. Uh, God command your angels concerning them. God help them out. God, you know, Jesus is pleading for you. He's interceding for you, right? Every single day, right now, man. And Jesus is pleading before the Father for you. You've got an advocate in heaven pleading your case, and that advocate's the Son of God. Jesus is interceding, interceding for you, and even when you blow it, you know, He's the one that's making your case before the Father, saying, yes, Father, man, I know they stumble. I know they're struggling. But because of the punishment I already took on the cross, because of, I've already took the punishment for their sin when I died on the cross. Their sin can be forgiven and a right relationship with us can be restored. And God, Jesus is interceding for you. Um, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Right? Because when Jesus hung on the cross, man, he took the punishment for everything I've ever done wrong. Everything you've ever done wrong and everything you ever will do wrong. He took the punishment for that sin. So when God looks at you, when you put your trust in Christ, uh, man, God doesn't look at you and see all your failures and all your mistakes and all your sins. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, man, he extends you forgiveness and grace and mercy. He adopts you in the family of God as a precious son and daughter, right? Uh, and and so, so Jesus is saying uh, he's the advocate before the Father. He's the one pleading your case. He's the one declaring you innocent before the judge, right? In the same way you've got an advocate in Jesus, you've got an accuser too, right? And you've got a very spiritual enemy, right? And, and, and the devil is going to accuse you that when you blow, when you mess up, he's going to be whispering in your ear, man, you're such a failure. Man, you're never going to make it. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give up? You're, you're never going to overcome this sin. You're never going to have a life that matters for God. Why don't you just give up? you got, you got the enemy. you got your own, your own guilt, uh, your own shame, your own condemnation saying, man, you're probably right. Like, I'm worthless. I'm never going to beat this thing. Uh, it's hopeless, right? Uh, and and so, so we have an accuser. Uh, but the good news is, man, we have an advocate uh, whose voice has way more authority than our accuser. Uh, you know, our, our pastor, uh, 
where Jack and I go to church, he used an analogy just last week that I loved. He said, um, you know, in the, in the United States, what's the highest court in the land? The Supreme Court, right? Like the Supreme Taco is like the best taco you can get. The Supreme Court is the, the top, top court in the land. Um, there's not a best taco at Taco Bell. It's all like dog food. Uh, <laughs> the Supreme Court is the top one wins. What that means is, if you're on trial and you're before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court declares you innocent, your accuser has nowhere else that they can appeal, right? There's no higher court to appeal to. If the Supreme Court declares you innocent, then that's it. You're innocent, right? No one else can accuse you. No one else can condemn you. How much more? How much more if the son of the living God declares you innocent because of what he did on the cross, right? That you put your trust in him to be saved and forgiven. He declares you innocent. He declares you justified. He declares you forgiven and righteous in God's sight and no one can condemn you. No one can condemn you. You can't condemn you. You can't condemn yourself, right? No one can condemn you. No one can separate you from God's love. Nothing and no one in all the universe, right? If the God who created you and created the universe says, I declare you innocent. Who can challenge that, right? Who can say you're not innocent? Who can say you're not righteous, right? That's the advocate you have pleading your case, right? Something even higher than the Supreme Court has said that you are righteous and innocent and justified because you put your trust in Jesus to say, amen? John continues in verse 3. He says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. There it is, obey, obedience. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but don't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we're living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So John says we may claim to know God, uh, we may claim to love God, but if we don't obey Him, we're only lying to us. We're only fooling to ourselves. You'll run into a lot of people that say, yeah, I know God. Yeah, I love, I love God. Or, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then when you look at their life, right, they're, they're not fooling anybody, right? You look at their life, and their life doesn't look any different uh, than, than the person not claiming to live for God, right? They're, they're doing the same uh, activities, right? They're, they're doing the same uh, moral things. And you don't see that transformation of Jesus happening in their life. So John says, and you may say you love God. You may say you know God. Uh, but if you're not obeying his commands, you've got to be honest, and, and you're only fooling yourself, right? You're only lying to yourself. We don't truly know God or love God if we don't obey his commands. And to obey his commands, man, we first got to know his commands. Some of you are like, hey, sign me up. I'm ready to obey God's commands. I just don't know what any of them are, right? What does God want me to do? What does he want for my life? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to obey God. But, but what does that even mean, Right? And before, before we talk about the Bible, you've got to put a conscience in your heart, right, to help you to, to know right from wrong, right? And when you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in you and through you that's going to help God, you're going to help direct you. Um, but, but, but on some fundamental level, you're not going to know the commands of God if you don't study His Word. You've got to study His Word. Uh, there's no replacement for spending time in the Bible every day so God can instruct you how to live. And the Bible is the instruction book. Uh, that, that your creator gave you, right? The manufacturer included an instruction booklet, right, for how best to live your life, and that's the Bible. That's the Bible. Um, so we're not going to know his commands. You know, we can't, we can't obey his commands if we don't know his commands, right? 
And John says, don't, don't say you love God and not, not obey his commands. Um, you know, so, so uh, we know we need to study God's word if we're going to obey his commands. Where's a good place to start? And if you've never studied the Bible before, uh, you've never really read the Bible for yourself, where's a good place to start? Well, John says here in verse 6, uh, that we must live as Jesus did, right? So, man, start by studying the life and the teachings of Jesus to figure out, man, how did Jesus live, right? Start in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John's own gospel, the gospel of John. And look at, man, how did Jesus handle himself in these different situations, right? How did Jesus treat people, right? How did Jesus act towards God, right? How did Jesus pray, right? How did Jesus teach that people should live uh, a life that pleases and honors God, right? So study the life of Jesus, study the teachings of Jesus, and as you come across commands uh, that you should follow, say, okay, God, would you help me to obey this? Because I see I am definitely not doing this one, right? God, help me. God, help me to start. Or you see something Jesus modeled in his own life, and you say, that doesn't look very much like my Right? Like, almost like holding up a mirror to yourself. Uh, and if you see something in Jesus, you say, oh, that doesn't look like me. God, would you help me to be more like Jesus? Help me to live like Jesus lives. Um, you remember we said there is a fundamental link between love and obedience when we're in a relationship with someone who's in authority over us. We can say that we love them, but if we do not obey their instructions, do we really love them? Do we really love them? Uh... Several years ago, there was an author named Gary Chapman uh, who wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Uh, some of you guys may be familiar with that concept, The Five Love, Love Languages. If you're not, it's totally cool. The basic idea of this book was there are different ways that individuals give and receive love. Basically, we don't all give and receive love the same. You know, Justin may give love one way. Arnie may give love another way, right? Sarah may give love another way. And, and they may give it one way, but I receive it a different way, right? And so he talked about there's different ways we give and receive love, and that's helpful for us to know so that we can love our friends well, so we can love our family members well. And, and not just love them how we want to love them, but love them in a way that they can receive. Um, he, he lists several different ways. Uh, words of affirmation, you know, words of encouragement are a way to show love to people. Uh, gifts, you know, having those physical, tangible tokens uh, of love mean a lot to some people. Physical touch means a lot to some people. Putting your hand on their shoulder, you know, getting that handshake, getting that hug, getting that embrace, and they feel, it's one thing for you to say the words, but they really feel love, man, when you give them that good hug. Some of you guys are like, don't even touch me. Right? I don't know if that's right. Some people, quality time, quality time is the way they feel love. This is my wife. This is Jackie. I can, I can tell her that, that I love her. I can do these other things, but if I don't spend time with her, she doesn't feel it, right? Because that's how she receives love, right? Do <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can, I can do, I can do. The, the fifth one is acts of service. I can do all kinds of acts of service. I can clean the whole house and the outside of the house and the whole yard, and I can, I can labor for hours and hours and hours. But if I don't spend time with her, she doesn't feel love about that, right? I'm breaking my back. And I'm killing myself trying to, trying to do these chores and make everything good for her. But if I don't spend time with her, she's not feeling that, right? We've all got different ways we give and receive love. Uh, so, so maybe, maybe your friend is given love doing their best to give love in a way that you're not receiving it, right? So it's helpful for us to know these things so we can have good, healthy relationships, right? Um, you know, because we all do uh, give and receive love in different ways. And I think uh, in this passage here in 1 John and other uh, passages throughout Scripture, are showing us that God has a love language as well. God has a way that He wants to receive love as well. There's all kinds of ways that God shows His love for us. What are some ways God shows love to us? Yeah, the ultimate way is he gave us his son, Jesus, right? That's what, that's what the Bible tells us, that God demonstrated 
His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? So the main way God shows us His love uh, is sending His Son Jesus to die for us and to raise from the dead so that we can have forgiveness and eternal life in Him. Um, and, then, and then just all the blessings all throughout our life. If there's anything good in your life, the Bible says it comes from God, right? That every good and perfect thing comes down from the, uh, you know, the, the Father of life. It's a blessing upon your life. If you enjoy any good things in this life, then that's a blessing from God. We should be thankful for it, right? So God's got all kinds of ways to show love to us. But how do we show God that we love Him, right? You know, what's His love language? How does He receive love from us? How does God receive love uh, and, and John tells us here in, in verse 5, 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Right? How, how, how does God receive love? He says, man, those who obey his word, your translation might say those who obey his commands show how completely they love him. A little later uh, in his letter, John puts it this way in 1 John 5, 3. It says, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdens. God's love language is obedience. Right? God wants us to obey him. That's how God receives love from us. Of course, God loves it when we worship. And like, like we did a minute ago, when we're pouring out our worship, pouring out our love to him. God loves our worship. God loves our prayer. God loves our thanksgiving, our gratitude. All that's important. But in the same way as when you're babysitting that little kid and they say, I love you so much, you're just the best babysitter. Then they go and do the opposite of what you told them to do, right? It's not enough just to, to say it with your lips. And then if it's nowhere in your life, right? Does God feel loved? Does God feel respected? Right? In the same way you don't feel loved and respected, God's like, I thought you said I was your everything, right? I thought you said you loved me more than anything. I thought you said I was the air you breathe. Well, what are you doing, right? You sing it real good for like 20 minutes, and then, and then the other 23 and a half hours of your day, you're just like, you're off doing whatever. Right? It says, you really want to show me that you love me. True love, true love for God is obeying His commands. Right? Do, do what I asked you to do. Right? Do what I instructed you to do. God's love language is obedience. Yes, we show God love for God in worship and in prayer. But we show God love specifically in obeying His commands. And John adds his burden. The commands are not burdens. You know, these commands, they may feel like they're a burden. Again, coming from a culture where nobody can tell me nothing, right? Nobody can tell me how to live. I set my own rules, right? So, so any kind of rules, any kind of system of rules feels like a burden. So I think that's why John's so quick to chime in here. Guys, his, his commands are not burdens. They're not burdensome. If anything, they're freeing. They're liberating. Would you guys, would you guys think that the God who created you, and the God that knows every atom, every molecule uh, that, that, that makes up your body, your mind, who you are, the God who made you, the God who made this entire world, do you think that that same God, that same creator, knows the best way for you to live? Right? In the same way that, that you know, you know if, I, if I go buy a TV, right, if I buy a Sony TV, Sony includes, like, an instru instruction manual in there, right, because they made it, right? They know the best way to operate, operate that machine, right? Uh, you know, you know the, the God who created you, He knows the best way for you to live. He knows how, you, how you're going to get maximum love and joy and peace and enjoyment out of this life. Right? If God gives you a command, uh, it's for your good. It's for your good. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6.24 puts it this way. The commands of God are for your good always. For your good always. You know, Deuteronomy is 
It's filled with commands and laws that God's given to his people. And he says it's important that you guys know these commands are not just rules that God's making to cramp your style or to, or to put you in a box or to restrict you. Uh, these commands are for your good. If you obey these things, your life is going to be full of blessings. Full of blessings. You know, so God says, I'm, I'm creating these rules and not, not to restrict you, uh, but so you can have a full and better life. Same, same as a lifeguard at the pool, right? Um, what, are some, what are some rules you see posted at the pool? Don't dive in. Yeah, don't dive in if it's too shallow. No running. Are those rules there to ruin all your fun so that you'll hate the pool? Yes. yes. No. Why are those rules there? Yeah, to keep you healthy and keep you alive, right? The, the lifeguard's not trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to make sure you don't break your neck, right? So you don't, the ambulance doesn't have to come get you. Uh, the, the lifeguard wants you to have a good time. I don't think the life, you know, maybe some lifeguard, most of the lifeguards are up there thinking, man, I hope these guys are just miserable at this pool. I hope they just hate every second of it. No, they want you to have a good time, but they also want you to stay alive, right? And to be healthy. God's rules are the same way. He says they're for your good always. If God gives you a rule, you may think, ah, I don't like that rule. But think about it a little harder. Okay, but that, that rule is from the Father who loves me. I know he loves me because he gave, gave me his son, Jesus. He's the guy that created me. He knows what's best for me. Let me look at this rule a little closer. There's got to be a reason God did it. He didn't make it up, up for no reason. You know, something about this rule is for my good. Well, you know, maybe if I obey God's rule about, about you, know, you know, sexuality and, and how sexuality fits into my life and, and in what context, you know, sexuality is appropriate, maybe I'll save myself a lot of heartache and trouble, right? Right? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll save myself some trouble. Maybe if I obey God's laws... Uh, you know, about, about how to treat other people, how to treat people with love and kindness. Maybe I'll have less enemies and less people mad at me all the time, right? Um, but these rules that God, God's made for you are for your good, right? They're for your good, for your good always. Uh, in the same way that Jackie and I make rules for our own children, right? Thomas, Cadence, Hannah, they've got rules. And they may not understand the rules in the moment. In fact, probably most of them, they don't. Oh, that's not fair. Why? I don't want to do that. No. You know, we've got rules you know, that limit how much you know, TV they can watch, how much video games they can play. That one seems really unfair, particularly to my son, uh, who just wants to play Fortnite all day, every day, every second, every hour. Uh, we've got rules that don't allow him to do that. What, why might a parent set a rule for a kid that would not let him play Fortnite 24 hours a day? All kinds of reasons, right? All kinds of, it's not, we know. Y'all know it's a little bit farther down the road uh, young adults, that it's not good for them, right? It's not good for them. It's not good for me to allow them to do it. It's not good for me to allow him to jump off the roof, right? It's not good for me to allow them to run and play the street when the cars are coming. It's not good for me to allow them to punch and hit each other in the face, right? Right. So when I have rules against those things, to them, those rules may seem unfair, but as a parent, that rule is for their good, to keep them safe, to keep them alive, like that lifeguard, right? In the same way, your Heavenly Father, man, the rules, the commands He gives you, healthy, they're to keep you safe, they're to see your life to be full, to be blessed, to eliminate drama for your life. Y'all know if you follow God's commands, how much drama you'd eliminate for your life. Some of y'all say you hate drama, but then I see you chasing after it, right? If you follow God's commands, it would eliminate so much of that for your life. You'd experience so much love and joy and blessing. You know, the title of the series is Complete Joy. And the way we're going to have complete joy is if we obey God's commands. He knows how your life can be full of joy. He says, live this way. And see if your life isn't full of joy. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 21 about two sons. Matthew 21, it's uh, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, what do you think about this? 
A man with two sons tells his older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, nope, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But then he didn't go. And Jesus asked, which of these two obeyed his father? What do y'all think? Yeah, absolutely. That's what they said too, the first. You got two boys, he said. Me. You got two boys. One, one that just, that he's to tell it like it is. Like, Dad, I don't want to do that. Not yet, I'm not going to do it. And then a little bit later, he felt bad and said, you know what? Dad loves me. You know, he's taken care of me my whole life. He changed my diapers. You know, he fed me. He gave me a place to live. I really ought to go work in the yard for Dad. And so even though he said no with his words, basically he, he, he told his dad his heart. He thought better of it, and he went to work. Right? And he had the other son. Right? He knows just what to say. Right? He's a little, little passive-aggressive. Like, yeah, Dad, I'll do it. Just stop talking to me. Right? Yeah, Dad, just get off my back. Stop, stop nagging me. Yeah, I'll definitely do it. I'll definitely work in that yard. And then he doesn't. He doesn't obey. You know, what, you know, what is Jesus getting at here? Is, is, is it our words that matter or our actions? Right? Is it enough just to tell God, yes, I love you. Yes, I'm going to live for you. And then we just don't do it? You know? Or... or if we're having those days where we're honest with God and say, God, this is tough. God, this is real hard. I'm trying my best, but it's real, real tough. But, then, but it's, we're doing our best to obey. We're doing our best to live for Him because we love Him, because He loves us. We want to show love back to Him. Um, yeah, He says it's the first son, not the second. The first son is the one that obeyed the Father, right? The first son, the one that, that obeyed Him with His actions, is the one that really showed love for His Father. It's not enough just to give God our lip service. You know, to make empty promises to God, to make half-hearted commitments to God. It's our actions that count. You know, so are we obedient to the Lord with our actions, the way we live our life? We tell Jesus we love Him. We may sing songs about it. We may wear t-shirts that say it. We may post about it on our social media. I love Jesus so much. Right? But then Jesus is very clear. Uh, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Amen. You know, that's the last verse we'll look at tonight. It's John 14. 15, super simple. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. And that's how I'll know, right? And don't, don't just tell me you love me. I'll know that you love me when I look at your life and I see you obeying your commands. Because then it's like, all oh, the light bulb's gone off. They get it. They get it, right? And same, same with my own children, man. I understand that they get it when they start obeying, right? And they'll, they'll, they'll tell me if they think the rule's unfair or unjust. They'll tell me all about it, right? When I see them start obeying, it's like they understand Right? On some level, I know it's just they're trying to avoid discipline, trying to avoid punishment. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it's deeper than that, right? Because you get to know your kids, because you spend a lot of time with them as a parent. And when you see that light bulb off, and, and they understand, hygiene's important, right? I kind of like it when I smell better, right? Like when they start to kind of understand that your rules have a purpose, and then they start wanting to, wanting to, to contribute, wanting to do what's right, right? And as a way to, to show love to you, man, man I receive that love. Because it shows, yes, that you love me because you're obeying me, um, but it also shows that you trust me, right? You trust that this rule is not made just to make you miserable, but this rule is for your good. In the same way, when we obey God, it shows, okay, God, I trust you. I trust that you know what's best for my life. Certainly know what's best for my life better than I do. Um, you know, so, so that's the way we show love for God when we obey his command. It shows that we love him. It shows that we trust him. One last thing I want to be clear about. Uh, we don't obey God so that he'll love us. Right? God's love isn't conditional on our obedience. We don't love God so that, I'm sorry, we don't obey God so that He will love us. God already loves us. You know, He demonstrated that by sending His Son, Jesus, to die 
you know, to restore our relationship with them. God, God already loves you. Our obedience is simply a response to that. It shows God uh, that we love Him. It shows God that we trust Him. It shows that we trust that He knows what's best for our life. Um, and so what are some practical ways we can start obeying Jesus, obeying God more in our life, and starting tonight, starting this week? What are some super practical things like you can walk out that door and do now to start obeying God better, you know, showing more love to God? Because you, you say, Matt, I might be one of those in that boat that I like, you know, I say I love God or I even claim to be a Christian, uh, but if I look at my life, I'm not necessarily obeying God in the way that I'm living. Or some of you guys might say, I'm not a Christian at all, right? But, but I want to have a relationship with God. I want to experience that peace, that joy, that forgiveness you're talking about. I mean, I want to know how to, how to obey God. Um, man, man, start this week. Start this week obeying God. When, God, when, God, uh, you know, when, when Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, when you pray, when you pray, not if you pray. He's assuming you're going to. When you pray, right? And say, okay, I need to block out of my time. Every single day, time is to get alone with God and pray. And my, and my Father who sees what I'm doing in secret is going to reward me, right? When you pray. When you fast, there might be some things God wants you to give up, right? When you give, right? Say, okay, God, man, how do you want me to obey you in my finances? You know, am, am I tithing? Am I, am I giving to the Lord, right? You know, am I giving to my local church? Maybe I'm not connected with the local church. Am I, am I, am I giving to, to Kyle? Am I being a faithful steward with the finances you've been trusted to with God? Um, God, am I, am I loving other people? Uh, am I forgiving other people like you commanded me to do? Am I turning away from things that I know are sin? Uh, not just thinking God's going to be fine with my sin, but realizing that and it's that sin that sent Jesus to the cross. God wants us to be free from it. Um, so I mean, think about I mean, what are some ways I can start obeying God now? What are some ways I can increase my obedience to God? What are some ways Holy Spirit might put His finger on something tonight, a place that you're disobeying God? You may be obeying God in some other areas, but there's an area where, where we're really ignoring God's voice. We don't want to hear God in this area. Uh, the God's asking for asking me to go deeper in obedience tonight. Um, some of you guys, God might feel a million miles away. God might feel far away. So, man, man I, I believe there's a God. I love God, but I just don't feel close to God. And it feels far away. And remember that we said that obedience is a fundamental part of a relationship with someone who's in authority over us. Right? And so, when we're disobedient, um, that relationship's going to be strained. God still loves you. You're still precious to Him. But if we're just defying Him and disobeying Him at every turn, that relationship's going to be strained. He's not going to feel this close. Right? Um, man, so I'd encourage you, man, just, just start obeying. Just start figuring out different ways you can bring your life into obedience uh, to God's Word. I mean, see if, see if you don't start experiencing more of the presence of God, the nearness of God in your life. Man, start hearing God uh, speak to you more, direct you more. Um, and, and then the final thing on that issue of obedience, say, hey, you know, man, I, I used to maybe hear from God, but I've not heard from God in a long time. Uh, if you've had one-on-one with me or, or, or Jack, and that's something that we encourage a lot is, did you obey the last thing God told you to do? Say, God spoke to me, but it's been a long time since I've really felt like God directed me in any kind of way. Well, did you do the last thing he told you to do? Right? Maybe he's waiting on that. Maybe he's waiting for you to obey on that before he can tell you more, right? You know, I, if if uh, my daughter Hannah came in and, and into, the, into the dining room and said, uh, Dad, speak to me. I just want to hear your voice. Just tell me something. And I look in her room, and it's a complete mess, right? There's stuffed animals everywhere and toys everywhere. I say, okay, Hannah, yeah, I, lo I love you too. Uh, why don't you go clean your room? And she says, oh, I'm so thankful I heard your voice. I'm so glad you spoke to me. I love you so much, Daddy. And then she goes off and plays, does not clean her room. But then comes back to me a little bit later and says, Dad, I want to hear your voice. I say, okay, well, I already did that, and I told you to clean your room, and you didn't do it. You know, go clean your room. How many times if she come back and do that without obeying before I'm like, 
no, we're not playing this game anymore, right? Do, do the thing I asked you to do. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's humorous, but, but it's, it's the same way with us, God. Some of you guys know God's told you to do something, and you've still not obeyed one, right? Um, I want to make that right this week, right? And see if that doesn't make a tremendous difference in your relationship with God, the closeness of God, your ability to hear God's voice. Amen?